Hi, this is David Sachs, and welcome to Spiritual Tools for an Outrageous World. Every week we do a little couples therapy between us and God. It's a chance to deepen and explore our most important relationship. Okay, I'm glad you're here. Uh, A special midweek podcast. We didn't have one on Sunday, uh, but I wanted to make sure that that I sent something this week. And and I want to talk about something that I I think is, is, is very central to our lives. And it, it's the question of faith. What is what is faith? And and in in Hebrew, we have the word uh, amuna, which means faith. But we have another word also, betachon, uh, which is a variant of faith. And you know, the general rule is if there are two words for the same idea, then they're really talking about two different concepts because otherwise you wouldn't need two words for them. So what is the difference between betachon and amuna? Um, faith, and we'll call it trust. And it's it's very central to our lives. So so let me give some examples. I think a lot of people, when when they think about faith in general, and I'm talking about all all variations of faith, they 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 think of it in this way. Um, and just to give a very sort of bread and butter example, uh, let's say I'm up for a job, and you know I haven't heard yet. I don't know what's going to be. Um, but I say, God, I have faith that I will get this job. Um, so, so that, that is one form. That is one form of faith. And, and, and that's, that's a beautiful thing. Um, but, but I want to tell you something even deeper. And this is what we call betachon, um, which might be translated as trust. And listen to the difference because it's going to take this idea of God, I have faith that that you're going to give me this job, right? It, it takes it to a, a quantumly higher level. And and what this form of it is, if I were to express it in my own words, is, um, God, I have faith that whatever happens with this job, whether I get it, whether I don't get it, I have faith that you are doing the best thing for me and giving me absolutely what I need now. Do, do you hear how that's like just just a, a just a leap a leap higher? Like imagine a, a trampoline. You just like wow. You just like shot up with that idea. So let me say the two ideas again, just so you can hear them next to each other. God, I have faith in you that you're going to give me this job. Or God, I have faith that whatever the outcome of this job situation that I'm in right now, you are doing the absolute best thing for me. So so I think that's something for all of us to strive for. And again, you know, it took me years and years and years and years and years to tell you what I'm about to tell you in just a sentence, which is the shortcut to absolutely every exalted spiritual level you know, in, in general, we say there aren't any shortcuts, but I think there is a shortcut. I really do. And the shortcut is God is good. If if you can really get to that place of, of knowing that God is good, then you can get to that place that whatever the outcome of this event, God, I know that you're taking me to the best place. And if you can live like that, then you win no matter what. 
in every situation you win, you either get what you want, which, you know, emotionally is very satisfying and feels very much like a win, or perhaps you don't get what you want, but you've got such trust in the goodness of God that you know that you're like in, in the best hands in the world. Kaviyoko, right? So, so I want to give another example and, and I want to add a new word to the mix. <laughs> so, so far we've been just to keep track. We have faith. We have trust, which is an even higher level, but I want to, I want to add the word confidence. So let me tell you something about how just I give you a peek inside my 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 private life here. Um, uh, raising kids, uh, you know, there there are a lot of families and I, I'm just in all of these families where it's sort of like, you know, Sunday you have off, you can kind of get in the car, you know, go anywhere. And it's sort of like, oh, you know, every Sunday there's like this like wonderful activity for the kids you know we're going to the aquarium this sunday you know everyone get in the car you know we're going to the museum there's this great exhibit you know get into the car we're going to this this park you know which has this really interesting view um and 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 like i say you know like i think everyone knows families like this and it's like they're great it's it's like it's it's it's, it's fantastic for the kids so let me tell you, let me, let me tell you my experience with my Sundays. I tell the kids, okay, we're, we're going to go to the museum. And they're like, no, no, we don't want to go to the museum. No, 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 no. We're not getting in the car. We're not going to the museum. We're not doing that. Or I'd have some other idea, you know, let's, let's go here. It's really cool. You'll really, no, 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 we're not doing it. And so as a result, you know, as the as the Sunday would drag on, we'd get toward 4 p.m., like this sort of creeping sense of claustrophobia would like sort of like kick into the house. And I'd be like, OK, everyone in the car, we're going for ice cream. And I take them for a Baskin Robbins run at around 4 p.m. And that was their childhood, you know, and. You know, we, we laugh about it to this day. It's sort of like, you know, 4 p.m. ice cream run. That, that, that was our upbringing in a nutshell. So anyway, so with that as a background, let's, let's revisit this word confidence. Okay. So imagine we, we have like, uh, one of the, our family favorite foods is, is schnitzel. That's like a, fried breaded chicken cutlet and you know we we have that on thursdays usually so it's like you know schnitzel night right my kids love schnitzel night um that's a big favorite so imagine i pile the kids in the car it's a thursday night and i say i'm taking you all to a place for dinner and they're all like it's thursday night <laughs> this is schnitzel night what are you doing to us it's like, no, 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 I'm going, We're, I'm, I'm, I'm taking you to this place, you know, you're going to love this place. Now, there would be in, in among my kids, you know, sort of like a, a mass rebellion if that, if, if, if that took place. But what if, what if there were, there was one kid in the car, maybe, maybe more than one of the kids in the car, right? Who said the following? And this would 
means so much to me. If one of the kids had actual confidence in me and said, you know what? Dad knows how much we love schnitzel. If he's taken us someplace else, he, it must be a really good place. Otherwise, he wouldn't do that to us. So that, for me, that's a very personal example. And, and it's very meaningful to me because in all of our lives, you know, God is guiding us. God is, so to speak, behind the wheel of the car. And so many different occasions in our life are, are schnitzel night. <laughs> and all of a sudden it's like, wait a second, where are you taking us? Why aren't we, why aren't we getting that? And we have this opportunity at those moments in our lives. And, you know, they're, let's face it, they're, they're plentiful to be able to say to God, God, I have confidence in you. I have confidence in you that wherever you're taking me is like to the best place. And, you know, maybe it will take me a, a while to realize it. And, you know, something, honestly, maybe I'll never realize it. Maybe after 120, you know, I'll understand it. Um, but, but you're good and you know me and you know what I love. And if you're taking me to this place, then I have confidence in you, God, that, that it's absolutely the best thing because you're good, because you're good. So, so, you know, when we phrased it initially as a sort of like a interplay between faith and trust, remember the example was, I have faith, God, that you're going to give me this job. And, and believe me, that's, that, that's solid because that, if a person believes that, then, then they are in an active relationship with God. And that's huge because that, that's what it's all about, being in an active relationship. I'll just say, just as an aside, something that I realized this week, which was, which was like a big step forward in terms of my own learning. You know, I've shared with you many times that um, when, when God spoke to Moshe at the burning bush, and remember, that's when God gave Moshe the whole plan to take the Jews out of Egypt. So that, that conversation is, you know, epically central to, to absolutely everything. That conversation took place on Mount Sinai. Now, that's, that's not a very well-known fact because it doesn't use the word Sinai in the Torah. It uses the word Horeb. And But anyone who's, who learns Torah seriously understands that Horeb and Sinai are the same place. It's their synonyms for the same place. And it does say that the burning bush was at Horeb. So, so that's, that's Mount Sinai. Now, why is that so important? Because God says to Moshe at the burning bush, which is on Mount Sinai, take the Jews out of Egypt and bring them here so that you can bring them here. So in other words, in other words, God didn't take the Jews out of Egypt. And then it's sort of like you've got, you know, approximately two and a half million people in the desert. And God's like, what am I going to do with them? I need an activity. I know I'll give them the Torah. So that's, that's not the case. That, that, that's not what happened. You know, that, that'll keep them busy, right? The whole purpose of taking the Jews out of Egypt was to give us the Torah at Mount Sinai. Um, okay. But now, I've shared that with you before. Now I'm going to tell you something deeper. 
It says in the Torah, and we just had it in Parsha Samor in, in, in last week's Parsha, God says, I took you out of Egypt to be a God to you. So now we've got, wow, we're going even a step higher than giving us the Torah. In other words, yes, God took the Jews out of Egypt to give us the Torah at Mount Sinai, all true. But why? So that we had the wherewithal, the mechanics, the infrastructure from our first breath in this world to our last breath in this world, 24-7 every single day, to have a framework, to have a relationship with God in every aspect of our lives so that God can be a God for us. And you say, well, wasn't God a God to us beforehand? Wasn't God God before Mount Sinai? Yes, but this is different now. Now we're getting to the inside of the inside. And we're going to go deeper. We're going to go deeper in terms of what I mean by that. But, but, but it's all about a relationship. That, that, that's the point that I'm trying to make. It's not just God took us out of Egypt in order to give us the Torah at Mount Sinai. God took us out of Egypt in order to be a God to us. And, and, and the, the rhythm, the, the, the nature of the relationship that God envisioned for that ideal relationship for us to have with him were the mitzvahs of the Torah, which are all-encompassing in terms of our life and all-encompassing in terms of like just the trigger points within the fabric of the universe itself. And that's what was given over to us in the deepest way. So, so for someone to say, let's go back to our three different levels here. For someone to say, I have faith, that's a muna. That's to give that example again. God, I have faith that you're going to give me this job. That, that's meaningful because that person is in a relationship with God. And that's a beautiful thing. But then there's something even higher. God, I know I want this job. Please give me this job. But you know something? Even more than that, I want to do your will. And I know that you have in mind what's best for me. And so I trust whatever you give me is going to be absolutely the best thing. Okay? And, and that is like really exalted. But how do, how do I get to that place? How do I get to that place? And so I'm giving you two tools here. One is what I think is the ultimate shortcut. And, and I mean that not, not to disparage it, but to put a crown on top of it. If you can carve in your heart, if you can carve in your heart the understanding that God is good, you'll get to that place. You'll get to that place. You know, there's, in other words, you can climb this ladder which goes all the way to heaven, which is built on faith. But it starts to get really, like the winds start to blow really high and that ladder starts to go, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's very hard to climb that ladder when it gets to the upper stratospheres. But, you know, there's an elevator that'll 
take you right there. And that's understanding the goodness of God. And you'll get to that place where you can have, and now here's our next key word, where you then have confidence. Because if you really believe that God is good, then you can develop confidence. You can develop confidence. And I want to tell you something very, very deep that I heard from Reb Shlomo, a, a definition of faith. You see, most people think that faith is basically a holy form of guessing, right? Someone puts two hands in front of you and says, you know, there's a candy in one of these hands. Which hand is it in? And you say, well, I have faith that it's in one of the, uh, in the left hand, right? Or in the right hand. But that's just, that's just guessing. And I think that the secular world looks at the faith of a believing individual without that much respect. Because they go, you know, we've got, we've got all these logical frameworks that we're basing everything on. And, and so do we, by the way. So do we, you know. Remember, God who made the world also made science. So ultimately, like the Rambam says, is there can't be a disagreement between them. Either you're not understanding the Torah properly or you're not understanding the science properly. But it's the same God who made the world and made science. So, so they have to agree. So, so we believe in all of that, you know. But the point is like this. They think ultimately faith is a form of guessing. And that we're not on solid ground when we enter into this realm called belief. So now I want to tell you what Reb Shlomo says. Reb Shlomo says, you know what faith is? It's knowing on a soul level. I'm going to say that again, because this is, this is a cash Torah, right? Remember what a cash Torah is. That means something you have to have in your pocket at all time, right? Meaning to say that you got to know this so well that you can say it over in a second. What is faith? Faith is knowing on a soul level. That means that there's a part of you that's not guessing at all. Maybe on an intellectual level, you can't quite prove it. But on a soul level, you absolutely know. It's not on the level of belief anymore. It's on the level of knowing. And that's what faith is in the deepest way. So I want to just transition the conversation um, to another point, but, but drawing on what we've learned up until now. You know, we're in this exalted place in the calendar right now. We're between Pesach and Shavuos. And of course, Pesach is the holiday where we leave Egypt, and Shavuos is the holiday 50 days later. Um, where God gives us the Torah at Mount Sinai, which, by the way, is God never stopped giving us the Torah at Mount Sinai. This moment, the moment that you're hearing me complete the sentence, God is giving the Torah right now. He never stops giving us the Torah. But there's a headquarters for when we celebrate the receiving of the Torah. And that's Shavuos. That's 50 days after we leave Pesach. And again, remember I told you when, when God spoke to Moshe, Moshe at Mount Sinai, uh, and said, take the Jews out of Egypt and bring them here. The whole 
the whole taking out of Egypt and the receiving the Torah are all one. So much so that the Ramban famously says that Pesach and Shavuos are actually one holiday. That's an awesome thought, one holiday. And that all the days in between where we count the days leading up to receiving the Torah, that's one long cholamoid, right? Kind of like the days between the holidays, like, you know, the first day and the last day of Pesach, those days are called cholamoid, you know, but it's just for that week. Or the days between Sukkot, the first day and the last day, those days are called cholamoid. But the Ramban says something, you know, just like breathtaking. He says, no, 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 I'm talking about two separate holidays. I'm telling you, it's one long holiday and those 48 days in between or whatever it is, 49 days in between, that's all one long cholamoid. So, so on the way to receiving the Torah, in, in our calendar, the way our calendar is shaped right now, there's this milestone on the way. It's called Lagba Omer. It's the 33rd day of the Omer. And of course, that's the yard site of Rabbi Shemin Bar Yochai, the day he left this world. And we celebrated. And you might, you might think it's a little bit morbid because it's, you know, why are we celebrating the day he left the world? You know, you know, in in sort of the the Western culture, we celebrate birthdays when someone entered into the world. But you see a very important Torah idea here, which is that when you are born, you're just potential. But the day a person leaves the world, they're all accomplishment. And from the Torah perspective, what we're really celebrating is accomplishment. Remember, Kabbalistically speaking, the name of this realm, this dimension that we inhabit, is called Olamasiya, which means the world of action. That's why doing things like, you know, you can think beautiful things and you can, you know, it's, it's not nothing. It's not nothing. But it's not the full Torah vision of, of, of what we're supposed to be doing with our lives in this world. That is about actually, you know, moving our, you know, our physicality in such a way where we bring certain things into the world in a concrete way. So, so that's, that's important. And that's why we celebrate the art site when a person leaves this world, because that's the day where they're just the day of their total accomplishment, all the things that they did. Okay. So, so we have a big party on Lagba Omer and, 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 and we're celebrating the life and the accomplishments of Rabbi Shemin Bar Yochai, who is the author of the Zohar, which of course is the repository, the headquarters of all the secrets of the Torah. That's a, That's an awesome thing, right? Um, so now let me pause and well, just, just to give you one more idea. And then I, I just want to take a step backwards. So before we receive the Torah on, on the 50th day, on the 33rd day, it's all about the secrets of the Torah, the innerness of the Torah, the depths of the Torah. 
So we celebrate the, the inside, right? Before we celebrate the revealed aspects of it. And we're going to go deeper into that in a moment, but then I just want to take a few steps backwards. You see, one of the things that Reb Shlomo said that's so deep is that everything in life has an inside and an outside. And if you think about it, it's, it's, such, a, it's such an awesome organizing principle of how to see the world. There's an inside and an outside. And the reason why that's so great is because, think about it, what percent of the world just looks at you from the outside and thinks, that's you? And doesn't think about what's inside of you. Or, or looks at an event and just sees the outside of the event. And, and doesn't consider, well, what, what was the inside of the event? Why did it happen? Where is it going? What is it coming to teach? So everything in the world has an inside and, the, and an outside. And one of my favorite teachings is that, you know, in Hebrew, the word for face is punim. Um, like Shana Punim, like a beautiful face, if you've ever heard that. So Punim, Punim means face. Now, where does the word Punim come from? From the word Pinemius, which means your, your insides, meaning your inner, your inner essence, like your soul. So if you think about that, that's, that's an awesome thing. So what the Hebrew language is expressing is this Torah idea that your face is a reflection of who you are inside. And someone said it, it's a, it's a kind of a, a famous witticism. I, I, I can't tell you who said it this second, but, um, but that by age 40, everyone gets the face that they deserve. Is that something? And the idea that at a certain point, your insides catch up with your outside. Now, Let's contrast that with the kind of the Western model. In, in English, the word for face is face. And that comes from the Latin root facade. Now, facade means false front. So think about that for a moment. That means, unlike the Hebrew, the Torah point of view, where your face is a reflection of your insides, here your face is a false front telling a different story of what you really feel inside, right? Either hiding what's really going on inside of you or misrepresenting what's going on inside of you. That's face and facade versus punim and panemius. Do you hear the difference? So ideally we say, that a person's inner life, their inside should be reflected in their actions. And that's the Torah ideal for a holistic, integrated individual. And the example they give is a beautiful one. They say that the golden ark of the covenant was gold on the inside and gold on the outside. And they say that's the model for a person. 
that the, the gold which is in all of our insides should be reflected in our actions as well. Okay. So everything has an inside and an outside in this world. And you know something? Mitzvahs also have a body and a soul, right? We have a body and a soul. That's another way of expressing this idea of an inside and an outside. And mitzvahs themselves have a body and a soul. In other words, you have the the action itself, but then you have this the inner life of a mitzvah. So when you perform something, if if you're if your mind and your soul is in a very high place when you're doing something, the mitzvah becomes absolutely elevated. And if you don't, then you know it's it's still good, it's still it's still worthy, but there's a world of difference. So 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 we activate the the our our mitzvahs, we we, we supercharge our mitzvahs by accessing the soul of the mitzvah, within the body of the mitzvah. And we do that through our kavana, through our very high thoughts, you know, by connecting with God. And some people, they do mitzvahs, and they're just doing the body of the mitzvah, right? Some people are praying, and they're just saying the words. And again, you know, especially in our generation, anything you do is great. And any place you begin is fantastic. It really is, genuinely. But but we always want to be growing, and we always want to be getting deeper and attaching ourselves in in more and more of this, you know, incredible love relationship with God. So the Katska Rebbe said along these lines something that you know I I think he meant to be deliberately shocking. He said it's possible to do mitzvahs and turn it into a vodazora. Of course, Avodazor means idol worship. So you go, wait, what is, what are you talking about? Like, this is a mitzvah. This is the opposite of idol worship. What do you, what do you, why, how can you compare the two? So, so what did he mean by it? And, and I'll, I'll give you my explanation, but I, I think this is what he's saying. That a person, like, imagine you have a, a lulav and an esrog, right? You know, the, the four species that we shake on, on Sukkot. You're holding these four species. And imagine all of your intention is just directed to these things that you're holding in your hand, right? So that would be an example, according to the Kutzka Rebbe, that it's possible to turn even mitzvahs into idol worship because you're directing all of your holy soul power just to these things that you have in your hand. Now, the word mitzvah has the root tzav, which means a connection. You see, what we have to understand, and, and what the Kutzka Rebbe is, is trying to get us to understand with this very shocking statement of his, is that every mitzvah is just this conduit to connecting to God. So in other words, whatever I'm doing, whatever I'm doing, I'm giving tzedakah, right? I'm giving charity to someone. That's a beautiful thing. I'm directing that energy to helping the person. But it's also, at the same time, me connecting myself to God. And I actively have this thought in my mind while I'm doing it. And that's the case with all mitzvahs. And if a person can do that, then they're absolutely activating the soul of the mitzvah as well. And then God is a God to us, right? Because now we're using all the mitzvahs in order to be in this awesome relationship with God.
So now with this in mind, let's go back to this idea that we go from Lagba Omer, that we don't get the Torah until we go through Lagba Omer. Again, what's Lagba Omer? That's the 30 day, 33rd day of the Omer. That's the yard site of Rabbi Shemin Bar Yochai, the author of the Zohar, the headquarters of all the secrets of the Torah. And so we go through the inner connection of the Torah before we receive it on the outer level. First, we're connecting with the insides and then with the outsides, right? And it very much reminds me of the fact that before we get, before we're born, we, the Talmud teaches in that an angel comes in our mother's womb and teaches us the entire Torah. So really, in terms of our lives, all of us receive that innerness, that innerness first, and then we get the outerness. So what's the innerness of the Torah and what's the outerness of the Torah? Well, I gave you one example. That's the soul of the mitzvah as opposed to the body of the mitzvah. But now I want to tell you one more thing, and maybe we'll stop with this last example. So it says that every Jew who is ever going to live, and that includes all the people who are going to convert to Judaism as well, they're all included in this statement as well. And all of the souls that were Jewish at the time or whoever were going to be Jewish were present at the giving of the Torah at Mount Sinai. As, as it says later on in the Torah, all of you are here today. Isn't that awesome? And the rabbis say, all of you are here today. Oh, they don't just mean all of you who are alive. They mean all of you who are ever going to be Jewish ever. Is that something? And, and, and that's not considered a mystical reading of the verse. That's considered like, no, 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 that's, that's exactly what God meant, right? So, so Reb Shlomo asks one of my favorite questions of his which is, if we already got, if every soul already got the Torah at Mount Sinai, why do you have to get it again inside your mother's womb from the angel, right? It's from God, but the angel's teaching you, right? You already got it at Mount Sinai. Why do you have to get it again in your mother's womb? Isn't that a great question? But his answer is even better, in my opinion. He says, you see, there's two aspects to a person. Remember, all of Klag Yisrael is one soul. You know, why are we crying so much about what happened at Maron? Why are we crying so much? Because it's, every single person is our family member. Every person beyond that is, is us. It, it happened to us. It happened to me. It happened to you. And, and it happened to those people, and may all the words that we're saying today be an aliyah for their neshamas, and also for those who are still recovering our full shlema for all of them. And we should only know simchas. So, so what Reb Shlomo says is, is that there's two aspects to you. There's the you that you typically think of as you, right? But then, remember, 
It's kind of funny. You in English is singular and it's plural at the same time, right? You people, right? You can be plural or you. Hey, you. You can be singular. And that that's actually, you know, pretty representative of the Torah view as well. Because there's the you that you typically think of as you, but then there's the greater you, which is the entire soul of the nation. And at Mount Sinai, says Reb Shlomo, we got the national mission. Those were our marching orders, like to be a, a light unto the nations, right? To reveal the oneness of God, to love each other. Those are the instructions that we got at Mount Sinai. That was the national mission. So what do you get inside your mother's womb? What, what is the Torah that you receive there? What you in particular have to accomplish in this world. The special gifts, the special job that God is giving each one of us to accomplish. And that's what we receive. And we have both. And so the Torah really has to be given twice to each of us individually and also when we were all gathered together at Mount Sinai. So that's the, that's the inner aspect, right? So Hashem should bless us with holy eyes that we shouldn't just see the outerness of everything, that we should look more deeply and that we should appreciate each other more deeply because every single person has secrets inside of them, holy secrets, holy secrets. And, and, and I bless us all and bless me back that, that you should discover the secrets within yourself, all those holy treasures that God has put inside of you to just bring out and to make the world more and more awesome. Okay. Thanks for listening. We do this every week, so join in again next Sunday for our new podcast where we explore the amazingness of life. And review us and send in any comments or suggestions. I'd love to hear them.